We want the show to be looked at as a lab for innovation and where any new company or new entity would come to debut their product. We're actually working with a group called Hype Sports this year, the Hype Innovation Challenge for startups. That's a new Shark Tank style competition where startups will be able to pitch. Then the judging panel will select winners. The new product zone is really a lab where somebody can really see all of the new products and the new innovations that are on display during the show. The content and the products that are on display and grouping them in a clear and concise way for attendees to navigate easily, that in itself fosters innovation. Programs that are out there to grow and to evolve the game are really starting to have an impact. And we're seeing a lot more optimism this year, both from our buyers and from our exhibitors. Yeah, I think the future looks bright. Hey there, it's Colin, host of the Mod Golf Podcast. This week, I had the opportunity to sit down with Mark Simon, who is the event president for PGA Golf Exhibitions, who run the PGA Merchandise Show in Orlando every January. I caught up with Mark for this interview a month and a half before the show, which attracts over 40,000 PGA professionals, exhibitors, buyers, and golf media people like myself. I'm recording this intro a couple of days after returning from the PGA Show, where I have the chance to be a part of their educational speaker series. I spoke about entrepreneurship and innovation in the golf industry, along with moderating the Golf Innovators panel. This was my fifth PGA show, and it was a great opportunity to connect with a diverse range of passionate people who make their living in the golf industry. All right then, let's get started. I hope you enjoyed my engaging and informative conversation with Mark Simon. Welcome to the Mod Golf Podcast, where we speak with the influencers, disruptors, entrepreneurs, and innovators who are shaping the future of golf. If you're a regular listener, welcome back. If you're new to the Mod Golf Podcast, thanks for joining us. And if you like what you hear, please subscribe, rate, and review the show on either iTunes or our show page at www.mod.golf so that you'll never miss the latest engaging story with my amazing guests. If you'd like to receive our monthly newsletter, please sign up on the Mod Golf Podcast website to receive the latest news relating to the innovative future of golf. I'm your host, Colin Weston, and today my guest is Mark Simon, who is the event vice president for PGA Golf Exhibitions, which is part of Reed Exhibitions, who are a leading B2B event organizer, hosting more than 500 events in over 40 countries. I've had the pleasure of knowing Mark now for over a year, and I felt it was about time that he shared all of the innovative golf industry initiatives that he helps create, which includes the PGA Merchandise Show. Hey, Mark, it's great speaking with you again. Thanks very much for joining us today, and welcome to the Mod Golf Podcast. Colin, thanks so much for having me today. I'm really, really excited to be here and uh, look forward to reconnecting. Good stuff. All right. To get us started here, Mark, before we dive into the PGA Merchandise Show, tell us a little bit about yourself both personally and professionally, and then share with us your first ever golf experience in your life. Well, I was lucky enough, or some would say unlucky, uh, to grow up literally with a golf club uh, presented to me in the crib. So uh, I came from a golfing family. My dad was the golf coach at Hamilton College. We were lucky enough to live very close to the course. And my dad got me involved in the game at a very, very young age, so probably around four or five years old. Took to it immediately. My brother and I spent uh, many a summer growing up playing golf together. My dad made it especially fun. He would make a par four, a par 11, a par three, a par 10, par five, a par 12, and we would be breaking course records left and right when we were younger. So it made nice. it fun for us though and, and instilled a lifelong love of the game in me. So that was, that was the first experience with golf. I did work at a golf facility for close to 10 years and was a sports information director in the college athletics field, but ultimately have been with the PGA Merchandise Show and Reed Exhibitions for, it'll be 20 years, believe it or not, uh, come March. So really, really excited for the upcoming show and passionate about golf. And and just can't wait for the next event. 
Okay, you, you talked about your dad at Hamilton College. I did look at your LinkedIn profile and you're a graduate of Hamilton College and you have a Bachelor of Arts degree. Okay, tell me this, how, how do you study geology, meteorology and mathematics and end up in the golf industry? How did that collision happen? It's a great question and <laughs> glad you did some good research there because I get that question quite frequently. So growing up, I really had two loves, the weather and golf. And my two dreams were either to play on the PGA Tour or to become a meteorologist. And although, you know, the golf game got better and better, and I, I did have some solid success, not quite PGA Tour success. So I took the path of becoming a meteorologist, ended up going to Florida State to get my master's. And long story short, to get a master's in meteorology, there's a lot of intense physics mathematics and chemistry that you really have to dial in on the first two years. And at that point, I decided that my love of sports would outweigh my love of meteorology. Meteorology was going to be a passion and an interest at that point and got right back into the sports industry and, and ultimately back into golf at that point. But I'm still a Weather Channel addict. Uh, Jim Cantori is my hero. And uh, <laughs> that love of weather is always with me. So <laughs> that, that was a down and dirty explanation for how I ended up back in golf. But I, but I love the weather. And, and there's actually a lot of synergy between the two, as you know. So you binge watch the Weather Channel. Do you? Some people do. binge watch either either CNN or Fox News. It sounds like you just keep watching the Weather Channel 24-7 there. That keeps you going, does it? I do. My kids and my wife think I'm crazy, but uh, I, I literally do binge watch it. I, my, my routine in the morning is half Sports Center and half the Weather Channel and a little bit of Golf Channel. <laughs> I love that. I guess another thing too, I guess coming out of college, you realized that your career hopes as a PGA Tour player were dashed once you found out that there were no par 11 holes yeah. on the PGA <laughs> Tour, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was a bit of a, a harsh reality. Oh, well, just like me, your, your dreams are dashed never to actually uh, play on the tour. Okay, so let's switch over to the PGA Merchandise Show. Most of our listeners won't know what the PGA Merchandise Show is unless they're one of the 40,000 golf industry professionals who descend upon Orlando, Florida every January to attend what you call the major of the golf business. So to start with, can you give our listeners a snapshot of what the PGA Merchandise Show is and then we'll start drilling down from there. Yes, and I'm glad you mentioned the major of golf business, Colin, because I think that's one of the easiest ways to let your listeners kind of know all that it encompasses. And, and by that, I mean, going back to the PGA Tour, there's the normal tour events, and then there's the four majors. And whether it's the Masters, the PGA Championship, the US Open, or the British Open, everything is elevated at those events. And everybody looks forward to those events. The golf business community, this is the major for golf business, the, the worldwide gathering place for the golf industry. And you mentioned 40,000 industry folk converge on Orlando for the event. It really is the focal point for the golf industry that kicks off the year, that drives commerce, that brings the global golf community together, that fosters discussions about issues that are affecting golf. And, you know, in terms of just some additional numbers, there's over a thousand exhibiting companies and brands, 1,500 members of the media. If you were to walk all of the aisles of the show, you would walk more than 10 miles. So it's just, it's a huge event. It brings the world of golf together. But again, it's not open to consumers and consumers can get a sneak peek into everything going on either by watching the Golf Channel or through the extensive media coverage that takes place during the show. Of course, also any number of social media channels, because there's a ton of social media coverage of the show as well. 
Yes, and it's been going up, I understand, since 1954, and it's actually been in Orlando at the Orange County Convention Center since 1985, and and that place is massive. The first time I went there was in 2014. In that case, I really wasn't in the golf industry quite yet. In a way, we were wedding crashers. We managed to uh, sweet talk and sneak our way in there for the entire event. Uh, <laughs> I'll which, pretend I didn't hear that. Which I'm glad we did. Well, I, we actually got invited. We man- managed to, uh, okay. to, to make that happen. No, we were official. We were legit. Okay. <laughs> Okay. Whatever backtrack on that. But uh, I'm glad we actually did go because to be honest, we probably would not be having this conversation because that was really the springboard for us to launch what now I do and what, what our company does in the golf innovation space. So seeing what was going on there and the people that we met, it was an unbelievable experience. So, so with that, we really do want to talk about innovation in golf as we do on the Mod Golf podcast. Give people the journey. Why don't you tell them what a day at the PGA show would be like for one of the PGA professionals or merchandisers that happens to be there? We'll start with that. I think maybe what might help more is just to go through the schedule of events because depending yeah. upon whether you're a PGA professional, an assistant pro, a buyer, a merchandiser, there are many different paths and events that could take up your time while there. And I think that's one of the things that that truly does make this the major of golf business, that there's so much going on. There's so many networking opportunities. There's so many different events that are really customized to, to what you're coming to the show for. But it could range anything from the PGA Teaching and Coaching Summit, which takes place a couple of days before the show. We have a series of pro-pro golf tournaments. We have a giant demo day that takes place Orange County National, actually the day before the official show opens. And that's right. purely for product testing and a great way to, to test the latest and greatest in terms of technology. There's a number of educational sessions, both that are paid. So you would pay for really high level education or complimentary sessions that take place on the PGA stage, on our golf fitness stage. We also have an apparel sourcing stage. We have things such as the fashion show, opportunities to, to see the live golf channel coverage and their stage on set any number of celebrity appearances, and then also any number of feature areas on the show floor. So so things to visit, such as the new product zone. We have an inventor spotlight where we highlight uh, those that might have a single product or are inventors. We have a technology and innovation zone, a fitness and wellness area of the show floor. So it's really customized really for what you're looking for. And then, of course, the close to a thousand vendors and a lot of for PGA professional I would say a seasoned PGA professional, half their time is probably in preset appointments. Probably a quarter of the time is looking for new vendors that they might be able to bring into their shop. And the rest of the time is probably a combination of networking, special events, and product testing. Right. Yeah. Spending three days there. Well, the demo day you mentioned on the Tuesday, and that is massive also. So our listeners understand this is this circular driving range. So everybody is for what, what you think about 300, 400 yards across, Mark, in diameter? We've had, uh, so when it's downwind and we had a long drive winner participant, they were just able to barely roll the their shot into the other side of the range. So I would say probably about 450 450 yards from one entity. Right. So it, yeah, it is massive what they have there and radiating all around the perimeter of that, of course, is having all of the major golf brands. Well, everybody there actually demoing their new equipment on that day. Everybody gets a chance to get a club in their hand and, uh, and give it a swing, as I have done in the past, too. And then the Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, of course, is having the, the full on merchandise show itself. What I want to ask you is, it sounds like some of the things you've talked about, like the technology pavilion and the innovators aspect you had 
there. Those are things that sound to me fairly new. Even when I was there in 2014, I don't recall some of those. I, re- I recognize the new product zone. So talking about innovation, is this something with yourself and this group every year? Do you constantly look to see how you can progress and innovate and even treat what you're doing here with PJ Golf Exhibitions as a, as a bit of a startup mentality? Well, a couple of things. We want the show to be looked at as a lab for innovation and where any new company or new entity would come to debut their product. The thing in terms of technology, it's really interesting. We had previously, very soon after the, the 14 show, had tried to group or segment an area of the show floor and call it the technology pavilion. However, technology is so pervasive in all product categories. We've, we've shied away right. from that a little bit. And what we've done is we've tried to partner with innovative groups. So we have the UIA, the inventors, and the inventor spotlight area. We're actually working with a group called Hype Sports this year, the Hype Innovation Challenge for startups. That's a new Shark Tank style competition where startups will be able to pitch. Then the judging panel will select winners. The new product zone is really a lab where... Somebody can really see all of the new products and the new energy and the new innovations that, that are on display during the show. So I think the content itself and the products that are on display and grouping them in a clear and concise way for attendees to navigate easily, that in itself fosters innovation. Then on, on the show level, there's other things that we can do that create a better experience and a more personalized and customized experience for attendees coming in. I think the other thing that we're doing a lot more is using data and analytics to, to understand how our attendees shop the show and then using some of the newer technologies to more effectively analyze and understand their behaviors and then build programs based on, on how they, they walk the show or what they're looking for, or where they go. The change in the events industry is has been really, really significant over the past couple of years. Another program that we've instituted that's been very effective is something called our recommendations program. Okay. So using technology, we've been able to, when an attendee registers for the show, we ask a very detailed set of questions in terms of product categories they're looking for. And then we will make recommendations based on the same set of criteria that exhibitors fill out when they sign up. So we're able to serve up recommendations, I would say, maybe Amazon style or to those attendees that are coming to, to really help them, in addition to the appointments they already have, uncover new vendors and new products that, that may be of interest to them. And I've received that also to fill out to help curate my three-day experience too. So it could be just the most effective that it possibly can. Because once again, it is so massive that I remember the first time I was there, I just spent really the first two days just getting my bearings because there was just so much to look at. So yes, having the analytics there to be able to curate one's experience there sounds like a great way to maximize someone's effort. I think we're really just scratching the surface there. I think that's a great opportunity for us going forward to really provide a personalized, customized, almost intuitive experience for those coming in based, you know, using data and technology. So I think more to come on that in the next few years. Nice, nice. Well, since I will be at the PGA show again this year, and you have invited me to actually participate in a couple of the speaking events in the educational series. I thank you for that. But I will also make a point during your pitch competition and some of the other uh, technology and innovation and innovators pieces that you have, I will make a point of interviewing some people there. It sounds like you have lots of great people there that would be a perfect fit for what we do on the Mod Golf podcast here. Yeah, and we appreciate you participating in our panels. Always uh, informative and interesting. And, and we actually may have an opening for a judge on on one of those panels. If you're interested, we could talk about that offline after hey. uh, after our conversation. 
There we go. Well, actually, I do that quite a bit here in part of the work I do in the non-golf space, more of the pure entrepreneurship and startup space. So I, I mentor and coach and also judge on pitch panels. So uh, yeah, I've got a bit of experience doing that. So I'd be, I'd be happy to do that. That would be a lot of fun. All right. We'll connect on that after. Very interested, actually. Good. There we go. Good stuff. So how many years now have you been involved directly now, Mark, with the PGA Merchandise Show? So I came over specifically when Reed Exhibitions acquired the shows back in 1998. And I've been with the golf portfolio since the beginning. So I started out in sales and kind of worked my way up to through various positions in sales, national account manager, sales director, and ultimately landed on the event director and now vice president role. So I look at the show as my, my fifth child and <laughs> really, you know, <laughs> our team, you know, as a whole, as you know, from working with us, really passionate really protective of the event, but at the same time, always trying new things, always trying to innovate, always trying to look at what other segments are relevant that we could bring in that are going to help our buyers and serve the industry and, and help the industry grow. And meteorology would have been one dream job. I kind of feel like I'm living the other dream job other than the tour. <laughs> so in the golf space, really love, love it. it. And these six weeks before the show are really when you, you really get jazzed up. And although obviously it's a crazy time with the holidays and, and New Year's right before the show, you know, our team is just is so fired up and excited for the upcoming show. And we feel we're playing our small part to help the industry grow. Yeah, pedal to the metal now for the next six weeks for you. That's why I realized I had to grab you for this podcast recording now because I knew until I see you in Orlando, I probably would not have a chance to talk to you because I'm, I'm sure you're going to be working. happy to do it again in March, <laughs> depending upon your schedule at that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, hey, the reason I asked you how long you've been involved directly with the PGA Merchandise Social, the, the, the 20 years you mentioned there, tell me if this is accurate, that the PGA Merchandise Show to me seems like this bellwether, almost as canary in a cold mind to know beforehand of where the industry is going and where golf in general is going and whether it's declining or whether it's ascending again. And I saw in 2014, it was on a bit of a dip there. And that's when I got involved as an entrepreneur. And now it's experiencing a renaissance and growth in other areas now. So, so you tell me, give me your insights on that. Is that an accurate depiction to say that, that the show really is out in front a little bit of where the golf industry is and you can really see where the trends and patterns are going and emerging? Absolutely. I think that's a great point, not just for the golf event, but I think in other industries that read exhibition serves, we like to say the shows reflect the industries that we're in. I think you hit the nail on the head. I wouldn't necessarily call it a renaissance yet, but I think the industry has absolutely turned the corner. We're seeing a lot of new innovation. I think a lot of the, the entities like Top Golf, uh, PGA Junior League, some of the programs that are out there to grow and to evolve the game are really starting to have an impact. And we're seeing a lot more optimism this year, both from our buyers and from our exhibitors. Yeah, I think the future looks bright. We're really excited. You know, I think with Tiger coming back and I think all the young faces on the tour, I think that's really driven a lot of excitement. Same with the LPGA. And I think when you combine that excitement on the tour level with programs to bring new golfers into the game, I think that's a recipe for success. And, and we're hearing a lot of optimistic things from our exhibitors. So we are definitely optimistic about the future. And the show is also experiencing that growth year on year as well. Right, right. I want to pick up on your comment there that you said about bringing new people into the game. And I know that what you are doing with the, with the show, it's not just about technology. Sure, it is about business, but you understand the real potential to unlock new markets, especially with women, younger golfers, African-Americans, Latinos, LBGDQ communities, everybody that right now or has not traditionally been part of the golf family and made feel welcome. I know for a fact of knowing you personally that that is something that that you and your entire group is very passionate about. So can you tell us a bit about that as far as what you do with community building and the diversity and inclusion piece? 
Yeah, I mean, I think you you hit almost every group, but we're really focused and really excited about our partnership in the adaptive golf space and veterans and disabled yes, players. Yes. We actually have a new section on the show floor that debuted last year. We feel it's our duty, again, not just to drive commerce, but like you said, to get more people in, involved in the game. And I think the way we do that as an event organizer is to provide a forum for entities like Top Golf, like the First Tee, like the PGA Junior League, like Drive, Chip and Putt to showcase what they can do for the industry. And then also to provide education and panels that give outlets for conversation and discussions about those topics. And again, we've supported any number of different panels, organizations, entities, exhibitors that, that support diversity and inclusion, growth of the game, getting more women and children involved, minorities, disabled golfers. We're very, very passionate about that and will support all of those associations and organizations. Yeah, you, you do fantastic work. And I know one of the groups and the people with Adaptive Golfing with uh, Gianna Rojas, I've had her on the program and I'm friends with her now. I just love her energy. And you have given her a, an amazing platform. What you've donated to her cause has been phenomenal. And myself personally, I thank you for making that effort to do that because I know it's so meaningful for her and everybody that's involved within her community too. Absolutely. We're excited. And she's going to be back again this year. So can't wait for it. So she's she's told me she's very active on social media. So I've, I've heard it quite often. <laughs> she's very good at that. Hey, let's switch for a moment here over to the other event that you do under PGA Golf Exhibitions. And that's in the summertime in August in Las Vegas. Yeah. Uh, so, so that uh, show within the last few years was renamed the PGA Fashion and Demo Experience. Because it's really focused on right. apparel, first and foremost, as part of Fashion Week in Las Vegas, and then also equipment. Uh, we have a product testing event actually at Top Golf, which has been really, really well received by our audience. And again, that's a much smaller show, but I would say much more, I don't know if intimate is the right word, but because it's a little smaller, less frenetic, there's actually more time for buyers and exhibitors to spend together. So I think the difference between Orlando is there's so much going on and so much to do here. It's a little bit slower pace. And you could have, uh, I would say, more engaged, uh, longer conversations. But again, it's still an action-packed three days for this show because we have a golf tournament, a fashion show, the demo experience at Top Golf, uh, a full education program, and then a robust show floor as well. All taking place within this core of Fashion Week in Las Vegas, which has a number of other really large events in the apparel space, similar to, to how the merchandise show is kind of the global gathering for golf. There's a similar gathering for the apparel industry in Vegas during the time of the show. And it's been great to co-locate during that and be one small piece of that apparel conglomerate, for lack of a better term. Right. And I had the pleasure of you inviting me to participate in that this summer here. And as I'm sure you know, Mark, that I did a podcast episode in the summer on my experience at the fashion and demo experience there for the PGA show, which I've got really, really positive feedback on. I think it's actually one of our most popular and most downloaded podcast episodes so far. I love it. Well, thank you for taking the time to do that as well. Absolutely. More than happy to do that. So let's expand the bubble here a little bit so our listeners could understand what Reed Exhibitions does. So we talked about in the intro there about over 500 events in over 40 countries. Can you talk a bit about the different industries and events that you curate and you stage? Yeah, let me uh, give your listeners a little bit of a overview because Reed Exhibitions is actually a division of Relex Corporation. And Relex has four different divisions, uh, the Exhibitions Division, the Legal Division, Risk and Business Analytics, and then Science and Medical. 
Uh, on the legal side, LexisNexis is probably something that your listeners are familiar with. Relics as a whole actually has 30,000 employees in 180 countries. So huge business that is based actually in the UK. The industries that the exhibitions group serves range anything from, and again, this is in the 30 plus countries that we're represented in, but anything from golf, as you know, to jewelry, to healthcare, to aerospace and aviation, pharmaceuticals, travel, oil and gas, a security, a gaming, hardware, to name a few. So most of our events are B2B, but we've also, within the last probably six or seven years, have launched a very successful B2C division that has a lot of consumer events that your listeners are probably familiar with, uh, one of them being Comic-Con. So have a Star Wars Festival, ComplexCon, Agenda Fest, Pop Sugar is a new launch that, that we've done appealing to millennial girls and women. So again, a very diverse portfolio that's both B2B and B2C. Got it. Okay, switching back to the PGA Merchandise Show here, segueing from what you mentioned there with millennials, how are you finding now not only what you are doing with PGA Golf exhibitions, but how you see within the industry and community building is making an effort to connect with a, a younger audience and making golf more relevant for them? Are there any trends or patterns or nuggets that you can pull out that you see that, that stand out in your mind? In terms of millennials, I mean, there's a number of ways the aging of millennials and, and having more millennials becoming the, the event attendees, the trends that we're seeing there, and this is no rocket science to anybody, but you know, they're always on and always connected. Everything needs to be personalized. Social media communication is huge. Trying to make things as experiential as possible. And then the networking piece is that much more important. So we're redirecting a lot of our energies to making sure that shows, whether they're PGA or others, kind of speak to all of those things. One example is is just the huge shift in our marketing. And, and again, not rocket science, but much less print, much less uh, direct mail, and a lot more digital. <laughs> But not losing sight of those other pieces right. in the golf industry. The PGA professional, the average age is still beyond millennial. And there are certain subset that still prefer <laughs> direct mail communications, still very focused on their print publications. So it's kind of that multi-channel or omni-channel marketing, but shifting more to digital over time and creating experiences, I think, is the other thing that's big on site. So it's got to be a memorable experience or they're not going to come back. Yeah, I was going to drill down a bit more into that experiential piece. I know you touched on it already with the technology pavilion and what you're doing with the innovators and the inventors. So it sounds like those are set up to be a much more engaging and immersive experiences rather than a, a passive experience that you would have of people attending the show, let's say even five or 10 years ago. So it sounds like that's the trend you're also working, like a lot of industries are, to make your events much more experiential. Yeah, I think a good example of that, you know, a lot of our other events actually use Demo Day as a great example of that. How the PGA show is so experiential. This demo day is, is the quintessential experiential event for those that have attended. But at another event uh, in another industry that doesn't have that, if they can replicate something on the scale and order of demo day, I think that's a great example of something that we in the golf industry take for granted, but that is truly memorable for those that attend and creates that kind of really cool experience. And with your numbers, how would you found that over the years, let's say with the data over the last, let's say from last year to five years ago, or even 10 years ago, what percentage of attendees would actually show up for demo day, let's say five or 10 years ago, as compared to last year? Is that actually growing because it is more experiential or? Yeah, it's gr I mean, it's grown from yeah, it's very rough numbers, but probably in the five, 5,000 range to close to 8,000. It's more than the, the facility can handle. <laughs> so we're almost at the point of capping that. <laughs> and right. uh, we're not concerned necessarily with the quantity. It's, it's the quality. And we want to make sure that it's 
PGA professionals, the key buyers of media that are coming there. Right. So my math is correct in my head here. So it was about 12% of that 40,000 and now it's roughly about 20. And that's a, sounds like all, all you want, all you have room for out there. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think other examples of at a lot of our consumer based events, you can also do some really cool activations and experiential programming. And a lot of what is going on at those festival style events are being incorporated more back into the B2B events. So whether it's very large networking receptions or, or parties, let's let's just call them that, with entertainment or with, with a, a high-level concert. So things like that that create a cool experience. There's not necessarily business being done at the concert or the, or the party, but there's a heck of a lot of networking. And, and I think luckily in Orlando, around the show, there's a number of restaurants, hotels, and establishments where the after-hours networking, as I'm sure you, you are aware, I am. is a really critical piece of the business that's done at the show. So that's kind of a natural experiential networking piece that we're just lucky to have with the setup that we have down in Orlando for the show. Yeah, I, I do partake in that. And yes, lots gets yeah, done. Exactly. And uh, yeah, you don't come there for that week to sleep. That's for sure. If you, if you do, you've come for the wrong reason. You can sleep afterwards. You can sleep when you're dead. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you on that. It's a great experience both in the morning before the show and after. So maximize your time when you're there. Yes, absolutely. So always curious to ask my guests what the future holds for what they think as far as golf, but I'm going to narrow that right down. Let's say even with the two events that you have in the next couple of years where the trend is going, are you looking to perhaps do uh, more experiential things at other times? Let's say at night, I know we talk about around that the area that corporate groups have these, we'll call it, we'll have them parties of experiences. Is that something that you're looking to expand and, and include more nighttime yeah. events? Or why don't you just tell us, are, are there anything you, you can share what you think the direction would go over the next five years as you progress with the show? Well, I think a couple of things for the future. Definitely, we want to, I think I had mentioned this before briefly, but we want to latch on to those segments that your typical viewer might not think of as a core golf segment, but things such as golf fitness or golf travel, or we're actually launching a new racket and paddle sports component to the show this year. So things that align with golf, but might not necessarily be the first thing that people think of. The performance textile segment, which grew significantly the last couple shows. So that would be the materials and the fabrics that go into the golf shirts and the apparel that people were wearing that actually spun off into a new event that we launched called Functional Fabric Fair in New York City. So how can we leverage those growth areas where, we, you know, I think golf fitness is a huge growth area going forward. We partner with TPI and others that are leaders in that space. You know, how do we grow that segment? Racket and paddle, I think, is huge, not only for the golf industry, but in that industry itself. And then how do we take those add-ons that enhance the show and continue to, to grow them, but make sure that they, again, complement and enhance what's going on at the show. So I think you're going to see more in terms of those tangential growth areas. I think definitely on the special event side, constantly thinking, how can we make the event more experiential? We do not have a headliner concert that takes place during the show, and we may or may not incorporate something like that. But I think things such as that, that are on the scale of the major of golf business, some kind of high level event like that uh, coming down the line. And I think the last thing is technology is moving so quickly is just making sure we're testing things, trying things up to speed with the latest technology so we can incorporate the technology to create a better experience for our customers and our attendees and our guests that are coming to the show. Got it. 
As we finish up here, I wanted to ask you this. I like to talk about sustainability. My background is an architect and a sustainability designer. And it means more, of course, than just environmental sustainability. You talked about the social sustainability and the economic business sustainability, those two pieces. I'm curious to hear just as far as read overall and what you're doing in PGA golf exhibitions as far as the environmental sustainability of golf and the awareness of that and being part of that. Is that something that's important to you or something that you're involved with? Yeah, I mean, we're working again with the superintendents and the owners uh, and the builders associations. And I think we've had a number of panels on sustainability with my background in geology. That's a, you know, a topic near and dear to my heart. And I think we want to be a forum for those discussions going forward. Right. I think in terms of the events themselves, Functional Fabric Fair, the new event that I mentioned that we launched, has a huge focus on sustainability. That event actually takes place at the Javits Center in New York. Javits has done some really, really cool things in terms of they have a, a green roof now. So if you ever visit they actually have a number of beehives, they have beekeepers, they harvest their own honey and serve that in the building. They have, again, the entire roof is, it looks like a forest and it reduces their carbon footprint and their energy use significantly. So at the upcoming Functional Fabric Fair, the actual theme of the show is sustainability. So very attuned to that, both within Functional Fabric Fair, PGA Golf Exhibitions, and, and that will absolutely be a focus going forward for us. There you go. Great answer there. I just heard this the other day. I saw it on an ad or know where I heard it, but apparently it takes almost 600 gallons of water to make one cotton t-shirt. I was just blown away by that. Yeah. And that's why, again, in that functional fabric space and in the apparel world, it's a huge hot topic right now. And we're trying to be the leaders on more sustainable solutions. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, hey, Mark, I know you're uh, you're very busy. You got to get back to actually creating a PGA merchandise show, so I won't take up too much more of your time here. So for our listeners, can you let them know how they can learn more about what you're doing with the PGA show, with Reed Exhibitions, so you can tell us where you are yeah. on the internet and, uh, and perhaps even social media of how people can see what you're doing? PGAshow.com is our website. And then, of course, uh, our most active social media channels are Facebook and Instagram. So you can follow the PGA show there as well and post a lot of cool pictures, more so during the showtime. But we uh, appreciate the opportunity to speak with you today. We're really excited about the show and we appreciate all of your support. It is my pleasure as always. And as my listeners know, uh, in the show notes, I'll make a point of putting all of the links there to your social media channels and also where they can actually find you as far as the URLs, all that will be there, including some imagery also. Are you planning on doing any live streaming either on Facebook or Instagram TV or anything like that uh, of any of the events this year? Is that something you're thinking about doing? Yeah. So a number of exhibitors have actually started Facebook living some things during the, the show. We're actually as an event looking at doing a Facebook Live for the first time of the fashion show. So that would be Thursday evening. So stay tuned for details on that. Very cool. Okay, so why don't we leave it at that? So Mark Simon, Event Vice President of PGA Golf Exhibitions. Get back to what you need to do there for the next six weeks. And uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to spend with us today on the Mod Golf Podcast. Thanks so much. You're welcome, Colin. And let us know if there's anything else you need as you get ready as well. I will. All right. Take care. Talk to you soon. Okay, thanks. So that's a wrap for this episode of the Mod Golf Podcast. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Mark Simon, who is the Event Vice President of PGA Golf Exhibitions. My biggest takeaway from this conversation was learning about the entrepreneurial approach Mark's team takes to continually progress the quality, relevance, and experience for show attendees. They are truly creating an innovation lab for the golf industry. I'd love to hear what resonated with you in this episode, so please share your thoughts by emailing me at colin at modgolfpodcast.com and I promise to get back to you. If you'd like to learn more about the PGA Merchandise Show, 
go to our show page for this episode, where we've included links and photos to help you see what the annual four-day event is all about. I'd like to extend my gratitude and thanks to our sponsors Fairway IQ, British Columbia Golf, and Nextlinks for helping make the Mod Golf podcast happen. Without their support, I wouldn't be able to bring you these engaging stories from the golf industry's brightest innovators and influencers. Join me next time as we continue our PGA merchandise show coverage that includes interviews from our live Mod Golf podcast radio hour and conversations from the exhibitor floor. I also spoke with Ilan Hadar with Hype Sports Innovation, who held a Shark Tank-like pitch event called the Global Golf Innovation Competition, which brought together 10 startup finalists from over 100 applicants. If you enjoyed this conversation about entrepreneurship in the golf industry, you can find more of our innovation stories on previous episodes at mod.golf or search Mod Golf Podcast on iTunes. And please rate, review, and subscribe to the show while you're there. I'm your host, Colin Weston. Thanks so much for joining me. Bye for now.